0: The following is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic Whittier events and gatherings, please visit mosaicwhittier.org. Welcome. Last week we dedicated our talk to, our conversation, to the younger brother. This morning this conversation is dedicated to the elder brother. Father, thank you for being a God whose love never runs out on younger brothers or elder brothers, and so I pray this morning that as we we can find ourselves in this story, and that we can be those people who rely on your love for our significance, our meaning, our identity, and our destiny. In Christ's name, amen. Luke chapter 15, as we continue part two of the prodigal God. So uh, in chapter 15, just to give a little more background, Jesus gives three stories explaining what the kingdom of God is like. And around him were two types of people, tax collectors and sinners, um, and then verse 2, and Pharisees uh, as well. So you have very moral, upright, good people, and you have very, uh, let's say, flexible, bohemian, um, you know... um, Hate to say, like, I, I don't want to put this as one group is better than the other, because both groups are just as lost, they they don't want the father, they don't want um, they, they want their way, and both of them are trying to figure out how to get their way by doing what they're doing. So both of them are, are dysfunctional. Okay? The people that are doing well and the people that we think are not doing well are both dysfunctional and both in darkness. He's giving three stories, and if you look at the beginning of Luke 15, in two of the stories, something is lost, but someone goes out to go get it. So whether it's a coin or a sheep or whatever, someone goes out to go find it. That's what the problem is also in this third story. As we talked about last week, th- this, this uh, parable, this story, wouldn't have really moved people to tears. It would have made them very uncomfortable. They would have been angry. Nobody's a, no one's a hero in this story at first. And it is the responsibility of the elder brother to take care of his younger brother. He should have gone looking for his brother. He should have gone out to find his brother and pleaded with his brother to come back. That wasn't the father's job. It was the job of the elder brother. So you'll notice that there's this story even shifts in the way things happen and that there's something lost, something is returned, but it's not because the elder brother went out to go find him. So, But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes, oh my gosh, he welcomes sinners and horrors of horrors, he eats with them. Then Jesus told him this parable. There was a man that had two sons, and you have to keep in mind, it's two sons, the elder and the younger brother. The younger one said to his father, Father, um, give me my share of the estate. I'm, I, I, it's, no more, it's not sufficient anymore for me just to live here with you and, and be the beneficiary of your kindness and your goodness and uh, shelter and food and family and friends and the comfort of all that. I just want what you, I, I want what you can provide for me more than I want you. So the father divides up his property, which is land, between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, and, uh, who sent him to, uh, to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, Goodness, how many of my father's hired hands, the people, the, my dad's employees, they have food to spare, and here I'm starving to death. Well, let me stop here for just a second. As soon as the younger son left, he was dead to the community, he was dead to his father. Now, his, his father, what, his son wasn't dead to him. But by the, by the cultural standards and the written and unwritten code, uh, as, soon as, as soon as the younger son disgraced and insulted his father by asking for his money in advance, uh, uh, you know, basically yes. saying, I wish you were dead so I can get my money, by doing that, he became dead to the community and he left. And once he was dead to the community in that respect, he no longer had any claim or right to go back to the family. He couldn't say, "Hey, I'm your I'm your son. I'm equal." Uh, you know, he had nothing like that. So he had to make restitution. Uh, Middle Eastern Jewish um, penal code is is based on restitution and restoration, unlike here in the West, which is punitive. Um, so he had to go back, figuring, "I'll go back um, to work as an employee." Go to the next verse, please so I, I, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, I, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I know, that I've, I know that I've blown it against the moral code and I know that I've insulted you. I get that. I'm guilty. Verse 19. So he sets a plan. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. This, is, this wasn't an act of humility. This is the, you might say, the legal relational uh, condition that he was in. So make me one of your hired servants. At least I'll have a place to sleep and I'll have... Uh, food to eat and I can start to pay you back for what I've taken from you verse 20 so he got up and went to his father but while he was still a long way off his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him he ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him then the son said to the father said to him father I have sinned against heaven and against you I'm no longer to be worthy uh, to be called your son uh, but the father said shh, shh, quick bring the best robe and put it on him uh, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. One, one second. Wh- who owns the best robe in the house? The father does. So if the father has the robe, which to the gives it to the younger son, which son doesn't have the best robe in the house? Yeah, right. And, and there's another cultural thing to consider. By putting the robe on him and putting that ring on him, he says, you're back in the family. You're back in the family. <laughs> now here's the part that blows for the elder brother. The, you recall last week we discussed that when uh, the uh, whatever the father's land and estate was, the elder brother got two-thirds and the younger brother got one-third, right? So the one-third was sold off. That land was gone. It was unretrievable. So that land that should have been stayed with the tribe and should have stayed with the clan, should have stayed with the family, went to somebody else. That's a huge disgrace. It's like some of us who have experienced, maybe you lost your home or you lost a business and it is just, you just, uh, or you, you, you had to get rid of your business and now someone else owns it or someone else stays in the house that you once had and it just feels weird. That's kind of the feeling here. But add a few more. Put it on steroids and you've got to get a better feel of what that's like. All right, now, since... So now, so now there's just this, the two-thirds. Once the son comes back and is reinstated, guess what? He gets one-third still. So now the elder brother's... He saw, his inheritance. And if you were the elder brother, like, dang, I, I, didn't, even, you know, I didn't do anything and I'm losing... So, y- you kind of can feel for the elder brother for a de- to a degree because of how he has to manipulate, speaking of the elder brother, his father to get what he wants. Go to verse 23. So, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. One second. If y- it, uh, you know, we, we don't think twice about eating meat most of the time. Or what we call, what we call meat if we go to a fast food restaurant. Um, <laughs> whatever they... You know, uh, my, my wife and I—we the other night, I think it was like eleven, eleven thirty, and we just—we were just jonesing for Taco Bell, like we were hungover, and we weren't. <laughs> uh, and, and the thing is, is that we were thinking, man, we've eaten at some of the best places in the world, and friends have taken us to some amazing restaurants here in Los Angeles, and and but right now, I just want Taco Bell, and it was all good. <laughs> and there was the the ground beef thing; it was just like, like Play-Doh. It was just <laughs> off the wrapper, just. Went to bed, stained up and Mm. (laughs) (laughs) nasty. I'm bragging about her. I'm telling you publicly. Yeah, I don't deserve the health that I have. There's nothing more delicious than carne asada. I, you know, the only thing that's better is carnitas. And the best part of the meat is the part that's closest to the fat, isn't it? Right. That's just like the best that culture and in most cultures having meat with food is not very common and to eat the fatted calf like this is the calf that we have been saving for a special occasion so when you knowing that when the son the elder brother says what he says you're going to understand it so this the father is absolutely giving everything back to the younger brother who has insulted him who has lost uh, who has wasted his life, who has converted with horrors, and makes him, puts him right back in the same position and has an inheritance for him still, and says, wow, since you're back, let's have a feast, let's celebrate. Now, the people in that audience, the Pharisees, and the teachers of the law would have been horrified at this point. We think, oh, it's kind of nice, you know, it's, well, it's kind of cool, you know. No. And by the way, some of you, some of us, you have family members or friends that maybe they, they're still in rehab or they're in jail because of other, you know, life-dominating issues, and uh, maybe you were this guy, and, you know, you, you, you know what it's like to come back to the family when you've screwed up. Perhaps you have, a, like I said, a relative, or, or you were that person, and um, it's not often that it's a there's a big celebration. Yay, you're home! Wouldn't you have to see your P.O.? like, hey, you're home. And and sometimes, here's the crummy part, but you know, it happens, right? You don't want them to stay with you because they're going to rip you off. Not this, not this father. Not only did the father, now listen to me, this is going to be worth remembering. Not only did the father have food to spare, what he didn't, um, what the younger brother didn't realize is that he had grace to spare and kindness. See, the younger brother, the, as far as he could possibly figured that the father might be kind to him was that well let me work for you I- i'm not worthy to be your son let me be a let me be a servant let me be an employee and the father says are you kidding me you probably don't know who i am then you don't know who i am if you would think i would just leave you in that position verse 24 for this son of mine was dead but's alive again he was lost but now he's found so they began to celebrate and you know what? how ethnic dancing is, right? Everybody in a circle just bouncing around. <laughs> you don't even have to be good at it. Just, just bounce around, keep going with the rhythm. That's all ethnic dancing is. Meanwhile, the older brother was in the field. Uh, Consider this guy does not quit. He's always working, always serving. Meanwhile, the older brother was in the field working. He's finished with the day. He comes in, he hears music, he hears dancing. What's going on? happening what's going on verse 26 so he called out one of the servants and asked him what was going on verse 27 Dude, bro guess your brother is back your brother your father has killed a fatted calf because he's back safe and sound isn't that fantastic became angry refused to go in now think of this you many of you have been to weddings or quinceaneras or or a graduation party where one relative won't come because they're ticked off from something that happened 30 million years ago? (laughs) (laughs) No, Tito once, he insulted me when I was in second grade. He took my... (laughs) Bro, you're 58, and... (laughs) I don't know if you got past second grade because you're still a mental, you know? So this doesn't sound that far-fetched, does it? Refuse to go in. It's hard to read this about emotion. So who goes out to plead of him to come in? The father. And the father was not... Uh, once again, if you were a, a moral, upright person or a Pharisee, the, the teachers of the law, you, you would have been, what? This elder... See, the younger brother had his turn in disgracing and insulting his father. Now, this is the elder brother's turn. Can you imagine a party this big would have been, would have been a very public event? You think he's just having the, the family and just a couple of workers there celebrating? It was a party. This, he was so excited to get his son back. Think in terms of you know, somebody maybe who was missing or kidnapped or the plane crashed and they survived. Oh my gosh, you know, everyone wants to celebrate. This person's alive. They made it, whatever. And so now, you know what that elder brother is doing? What he's saying is, my dad doesn't know what he's doing. He's wrong to be doing this. That's why I'm not going in. I'm making a stand. I'm making a statement. So now, it's the elder brother's turn to insult his father. But he answered his father, look. And, 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 and in a highly patriarchal society, and by the way, I'm not saying that the patriarchal society is either right or wrong. I'm not making a value judgment. I'm just saying that to, to, to speak to your father in that manner, look here, you. Instead of saying "Sir" or you know, you know, Father, he has a total attitude to his dad and says, "All these years I've been slaving for you. Really, slaving for me? No, you were doing it for yourself. And I've never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a goat, so I could celebrate with my friends. But when, (laughs) notice what he says here: this son of yours, not my brother." That son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home? You kill a fatted calf for him. Uh, hold for a second. You know what he's saying? It's, you're ridiculous. You're stupid. You're dumb. You're wrong. He's doing everything but uh, ph- physically assaulting his father at this point. Now you're the father listening to you. You're seeing this angry young man in front of you call you out and I'm not convinced it was just a private one-on-one conversation. So now you can imagine everyone's like, you know those moments when there's an argument, uh, a family member, <laughs> and uh, you try to pretend like you're not hearing it? <laughs> but you sort of back up a little bit to kind of get everything. <laughs> then you text it, ooh, girl, you didn't... Know. I'm glad you enjoyed that. <laughs> Yikes! The father had every right to also. Well, we've done this, right? Dads, maybe moms, coaches. You get some young man rear up on you. The first, your first reaction is just to rear up higher and bring him put him in their position, put him in their place. Did you just lose your mind? Right? G- get physical. Right? Not always our best moments. Verse thirty-one. My son, you're always with me. If you're an elder brother this morning, you have to hear this. You're always with me, and everything I have is yours. We have to celebrate. We have to be glad. This, this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He's lost and he's found going to go ahead and clear that off. See, this is what's interesting. I want you to kind of look at that blank screen for a moment. Because in this moment, Jesus stopped the story. And he doesn't tell you what the elder brother did. The elder brother is essentially being told, I have all this incredible love for you. It'll never run out, like we sang this morning. But I also have it for your, for my, for my, your, your other brother my other son as well. I love you both the same. I won't disown you at this moment, even though I, I have a right to. And I'm sure not going to disown your other brother. Now, we're here celebrating the fact that he's come back to his senses. He's alive again. We have him back. How can you not be happy we have him back? But I won't force you to come in and pretend to celebrate. The choice is yours. But I hope you'll choose that story stops. And if you were in that audience that moment, especially if you were one of the Pharisees, one of the good people, you you would have been a little bit destabilized. See, the, The story is not aimed at younger brother types to come home. It's not simply aimed at them to say, hey, you can always come home, the door's always open, assurance of God's love, and that kind of thing. It's aimed at the elder brothers in the group. Because there's, there's two ways that people try to rescue and them, save themselves. Um, primarily, one does it through uh, moral conformity. Um, the elder brother types are the ones that uh, we discussed this before last week. If you weren't here, let me just recap it again. The elder brother type is the one that, that stays close to home, gets a real job, and does his duty or her duty. The younger brother is the one that says, the heck of all that, leaves, goes to another cooler area of town, lives in a loft or a broke-down apartment in Echo Park, um, calls themselves an actor, so they work as a barista. They're forever writing the screenplay that'll never get published, and um, they want nothing to do with, with their family. What's so weird about this is that the younger brother type would prefer to have the respect and admiration and approval from this from from, from their group, because whether you're an elder brother or 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 a younger brother, you all when you're only going to hang out with your kind. You're not going to allow someone else in that in your group that will have a, a dissenting voice. And if you're the elder brother, you're you going to move to Irvine and only live with those people that are like you. Or at least North Orange County, somewhere around there. You get a get a promotion, you go to South Orange County, and you're only going to live with people like you. Let me ask you a question, and, uh, and you're going to think, "No, I ain't you." Because you're got a speech impediment or something. <laughs> if if you have friends that are within fifteen to twenty thousand dollars of your income, it's basically the same educational status. The same points of view politically, same points of view spiritually, same points of view—you live within close to each other. You have the same, almost same kind of relational status. You don't have a community; you have friends, and that's okay. It really is. But but don't—you know—let's make sure we're defining the terms correctly. A, a, a community is primarily when you have people in the community you wish weren't there. They have dissenting voices, another point of view, and you're still able to love them. And you're able to coexist. You know, when I, I mentioned in the past that I, I have, I, I believe I have the capacity to have friends that fundamentally disagree with me, I realized that I've come to realize some people don't. That's been a little eh, destabilizing. But younger, but elder brothers really insist on that, as do the younger brothers. And the elder brothers think they're the solution to the problems, and the problem is the younger brothers. And the younger brothers think, oh, we're the solution to the problems, and you're the, pr- uh, you know, you're the problem. We're the solution. You know, we, we, we are into self-discovery and being free and, and, and questioning and challenging the shackles of tradition. And the elder brothers think, geez, moral, morality, duty, conformity, that's the answer. Tradition matters. And Jesus says, you're both dead wrong, and both of them leave to a crash, and both of them are just as disconnected to God as the other. Now you can imagine, especially if you're the good person, the elder brothers, what are you talking about? I'm doing everything right. I do what's right, and that's the problem. It's not that your goodness is is keeping you close to God, it's actually keeping you away from God. In fact, here, I'll put it to you this way. There's two ways to avoid Jesus. One, go nuts. And the other, do very well. Follow, Follow the teachings of the Bible. Live by the Ten Commandments. Do the right thing, and you'll avoid Jesus. Live the life of a saint, and you'll avoid Jesus. Because you won't think you need him. See, at least the younger brother types, and I think this is what they have, that, what they have going for themselves, when they finally crash, and they will, at least they have the confidence, you know, something's not working. Maybe there's something to having a stable, some stability in my life, some structure. But when this person crashes, the elder brothers, you know what they do? They blame God. How could you let this happen to me? Have you ever had a follower of Jesus say that? A financial reversal, someone dies, a job change. How could you let this, I've done everything right. How could you let this happen to me? Oh, so I I owe you? Now, if they they have a secret, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) they have a nasty little habit they keep in the closet that they indulge themselves in, and by the way, almost every religious fanatic does. That's how you can tell. The fanatic is the one that actually doubts in private. When they, when they and they do their little thing that's wrong, and then something goes wrong for them on the, on the outside of life, then they hate themselves. So you can see the, you know what, elder brothers, they're not fun to be with. You, you know these people? Why is it so quiet in here? <laughs> you know these people you, some of you have been these people <laughs> so the elder brother is always saying either I hate thee or I hate me but I'm not happy because my, my connection to God is never based on the fact that I can do nothing to earn his love I'm always trying to earn and deserve his kindness and his love always, always, always I'm never free from working And the younger brother at least has a benefit of knowing, I screwed up. The father is the most amazing person at this point in showing his kindness to them. So the elder brothers, um, let me give you some more symptoms of elder brothers. This is not to beat you over the head with it, except to identify where you are and identify perhaps where you see other people. You expect, as an elder brother, for things to go well for you because you deserve it, because you've done well, you've sacrificed, you tithe, you come to church early, you stay late, you set up, you tear down, you you get involved, you help out with kids when no one else wants to. You you go, you do so many good things that people would think you're an amazing human being. And at some levels, you're not at all. Because the motivation is... I want to get my way. See, at least the younger brother was honest about it. I want what you can give me. And he vocalizes it. The elder brothers don't. They just think it. This is why it's hard for elder brother types, male or female, to receive any criticism. If if you have anybody like that, they're doing well. You're picking up on something, and as a friend... As a family member, you're going to say, hey, you know, hey, bro, was, I'm noticing this thing. Who are you? And so criticism, not only is it hard for you to take it, and who who, who enjoys it? No, nobody does. Nobody enjoys it. But it's devastating. It's, it, it, and so that devastation causes either anger or frustration and pushed out and, um, you know, you're hardworking, you're, you're, you're moral, you're smart, and for that reason alone, you, 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 it's hard for you to forgive other people. For that reason alone, because you're a good person, you can't forgive other people. And here's the thing about things that are life-dominating habits or sins or darknesses or things. You know, there's two ways we we can react towards it. Um, I joked about this. you You know, my darkness looks good on me. I mean, I wear it well. When Corey does it, it's horrible. How can you do that? That's a horrible thing. I can totally excuse it in myself. But if Corey does it, you're a horrible human being. But the other way we do it, that's like, by the way, like guilt transference, that's the meaning of the parable between the speck in the eye and the beam in the eye that Jesus talks about. You kind of see yourself in the other person. And, and, and when you don't like somebody, uh, you know, has, that, has this happened? You, know, you go to a room, you go to a place, you know, I don't, I don't know why you go to a room like this, but you <laughs> 1950s, part of the Rat Pack. <laughs> what are they doing there? I lost control of myself. I lost my mind, now I'm losing control of my body. <laughs> when you go to a place, you know how much restraint I'm doing right now? When you go into a place and you click with some people and others you don't like, I'll tell the people that I don't like. So just so you know. People that, that have too much power of arrogance. And then it dawned on me 10 years ago, I don't like myself. And I see that in what I, what I know about myself, I see that in others, like, it's ugly. The elder brother, the, the, the elder brother types... Um, cannot forgive a darkness or a sin that they have never encountered. Right? you ever had anybody tell you you should quit smoking when you smoke? Not that I've had that far. But I mean saying this, that, right? Oh, I can't, bro, I can't, brother, I can't believe you're smoking. You're a temple of God, blah, blah, blah. Is it? Have you ever smoked? No. Then what are you talking about? You have no idea what I'm going through. Follow? Correct? So if if somebody has a, a habit that you've never had, it's hard for you to have compassion for it. And elder brother types have little compassion for anybody. They're the kind that just, stop doing it. Just say no. Pick yourself up by your own bootstraps. I'm wearing sandals. What do you do when the elder brother has nothing but now, I know this is going to sound strange, nothing but a verse, a scripture, or a bumper sticker religious slogan, or a, a kind of a condemning, judging way to deal with people who have habits that they wish to change. Oh, here's the best one. I, 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 it's going to sound a little odd, so hear me out. Oh, have you prayed about it? Yeah, awesome. That's, oh, my gosh, that is such great advice. Why didn't I think of that? You just need faith, bro. Oh, let me go to Costco. Let me just go pick some up because it's much cheaper there. (laughs) Now, here's the sick part about being an elder brother. (coughs) Listen to me. The sick part about being an elder brother to stay an elder brother, you need people to be sick around you. In some level, you don't want them to get well, and so you cannot celebrate. uh, You cannot celebrate any progress forward because they're not completely. I'll give you an example. You, like, you put a curfew on somebody, um, just randomly strangers. <laughs> you, you have a curfew for your son or your daughter, 10.30, you know. I mean, they're 10 years old. They should be home by 10.30. <laughs> Sober or not, I just want you home. And, uh, and y- you know, so you lend them the car, throw them the keys, and, um, uh, you know, they go out and so you go to bed and you want them not to come home early so you can yell at them it's a sick thing that we do as parents at times but then we carry that over to other relationships so then they make it home early like 10.30 the car's in the driveway pulling up and like, Oh, and, and the son or daughter walks into the bedroom to hand you the keys they're like hey I, I did the right thing they want some affirmation and then you know what you do because if you're a horrible human being as a parent you, know, you could it kind of close, didn't you And then if, if, if the son or daughter tries to retain some, some other dignity that you're just crapping all over, they'll say, oh, yeah, they make a joke. Yeah, but I, I made it. And you won't let it go. So you know what you say next? Did you put gas in the car? Why, why do we do that? Because you're an elder brother, and you need people to be sick around you to feel better about yourself. And I mean that. You need people, if you're an elder brother, if you're a moral person, if you're a good person, you need people to be sick to be good. And you cannot celebrate anybody's progress. No matter how small the step is, you won't celebrate it. And so here this morning, God is pleading with you as the, in the story, as well, c- let's celebrate. I'm going to close with this. There are two ways to be lost. One is to leave, and one is to stay. There's two ways to happiness. Uh, moral you know, conformity or self-discovery. Both, Jesus says, are dead ends. Here's the third way. We sang about this. is to recognize and experience the love of God. That'll set you free. That, that brings the younger brothers home, and that brings this person freedom. When you experience the love and the forgiveness of Christ, you experience freedom, and you experience healing. And that is the meaning. Of the parable father thank you for being good to all of us to the younger brothers uh, help us to create the environment where they can experience your love and come home to us as elder brothers who at times uh, really take a lot of pride and confidence in our in our right living and our good living help us to repent not of the good deeds of course but of the reason why we're doing the good deeds help us to see that doing those good deeds for the wrong motivation is just as deadly, maybe more so, than the way our younger brother types sometimes live. So this morning, as we sang, we want to experience your love. We want to see your beauty. We want to experience your kindness and faithfulness. Please bring the younger brothers home, and please set free the elder brother types. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this production of Mosaic Whittier. For more information on getting connected with the Mosaic Whittier community, please visit mosaicwhittier.org.